Guys, I'm in New York City. Man, give it up for that. Like, I'm a country guy, like from a small town in the big city preaching the gospel. I, no, I can't believe it. It's like, I'm, I got to pinch myself. I'm accompanied up here by my wife, Kai Sowell, and Can Can. I think we got a picture. And they need to stand up. Hey, Cannon, get your mom up, man. Let's go. This is them right there, guys. That's my beautiful wife, Kai Blue Eye, so well. And that's my little guy, Can Can Okwe. Cannon Okwe, so well. We, we made him on our day off. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm proud of you, Cannon. Really me. <laughs> but yeah, Kai, I love you so much. Thank you so much for supporting me. What, what, who have you, who, who you've been in my life? It's just, man, I, I, I mean, words can't describe who you've been in my life, Kai. You're a pillar, you're a strong woman. You don't play because you're from Philly. Yeah, yeah. And I needed a Philly chick like you. So thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for giving it up for our, our family. So guys, as I was getting ready for this message in the big city, it was a lot, I was doing a lot of things. First of all, I didn't know what I was going to wear. So you know, I'm Googling. I'm like, what do I wear in New York? Like, what looks cool? So I went and got me some G-Stars. You know what I'm saying? And, no, that's, Brooklyn loved them, so it's okay. Brooklyn loved my G-Stars. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was in Brooklyn, man. Like, Brooklyn? Yo, um, Brooklyn, like, they walk like this, and they do their hands, and they just stand on their tiptoes, and, like, it was crazy. You know? So as I get to prepare for the message, I was like, Lord, what, you know, what do I share in New York? Because New Yorkers are serious. Like, I can come straight in the front door. I don't have to give you, uh-oh, Jesus loves you. Go have a merry day. I, I, don't, I don't have to do that. Like, God can speak to you. Because you guys lead our nation in, like, in, in innovation and, in like, boldness. You know, like, just all the activity in the world, you guys lead it. So I'm like, Lord, this is a city full of leaders. So, you know, what, what can I speak to them about? So, I, you know, I, I heard this thought about the concept of separation, something that's going on in our nation. I, I thought at first it was a fitting word to talk about separation. Where did that concept come from? What was the birth of that concept? The birth of the concept, Satan came up with the concept, hey, separate away from God. And he told the angels that, and they left God, and then destruction came after that. And that's the same thing he's doing today. He's saying, hey, guys, separate away from God. And when you separate away from God, you have no choice but to be separated away from others. So we can't buy into that concept. It's not a kingdom concept. So I kept continuing down the path of just prayer and just seeking the Lord. And I was at a friend of my house one night. And um, we were just hanging on the couch, just me and him. Great friend of mine. His, it was just he and I. His family was out of town. They were in North Carolina looking at the eclipse. Listen. Was that not overrated? <laughs> like, straight up. Sister, am I wrong? A am I wrong? It was overrated, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's got to be more. Like, I don't, like, don't want to waste my followers' eyes when I post. I'm not posting. I'm not posting the clips. Nope, not posting. Because that couldn't go down as my sixth post for the week. I wasn't going to waste my post on the clips. The only good thing about the clips, the world was looking up. That is the only good thing. That's, amen. They was looking up. But other than that, man, it was, I don't know, man. It let me down. 
So, so he and I was sitting on the couch, and he said, um, he said, he said, Mayo, man, I know you, you know, you've been a lot of places thus far. I want to ask you a question. And when he said that, I knew the spirit of God was on his question. So I knew the question that he asked, that would be the topic that I would kind of discuss, my answer. And he asked this question. He said, Mayo, what's the most dangerous place that you've ever been in? And I sat back on the couch and I said, Mark, that's a great question. What's the most dangerous place that I've ever been in? No, it was not Brooklyn today at the 10 o'clock service, guys. <laughs> it, 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 I'm from Louisiana. It's not New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? I know Master P talk. Y'all know about Master P? Make it about it. Too young. Okay, whatever. Y'all, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get on that. I'm, I'm offended already. Y'all don't know Master P, but it's cool. That, that's it? Nah, 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 nah. That's it? Yeah. I know Jay-Z not taking New York over, man. I know it. So... So I told him, and I said, Mark, I said, I said, that's a great question. The most dangerous place I've been in year to date, and the most dangerous place I believe that some of you guys have been in is offense. Offense. Our nation is treading on dangerous waters because they walk in all around this area call a fence and they don't even know it that's the most dangerous place I've been in to this day and it created a hell on earth in my life so I began to study it so I started in Proverbs I just started in Proverbs chapter 1 so I begin to look like Lord okay what, what, what is this thing about a fence like explain this to me so I get to Proverbs chapter 1 I'm reading about the wisdom of God I'm reading about the practical wisdom of God I'm reading about what do you do when you don't listen to God what happens so I get to chapter 2 lean out on your own understanding you, you hear all those great verses and you get to chapter 3 and you hear more practical things about life how you can live a great life and how you can live a life given life on earth and then I get to chapter 4 and it's Proverbs 4 verse 23 in all of the 111 verses that I just read, it's like Solomon took a pause and he said, hey, Mayo, time out. Because I want you to understand this. If you don't get this verse right, you might as well close the book. If you don't get this verse right, you might as well not think about the verses that you just read prior to this. Because it's above all. And it says in the Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, above all. Guard your heart. Above all, Union Square, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. So could it be the issues in someone's life didn't start in their life, it started in their heart first? It starts in the heart first. Above all, guard your heart because out of it flows every issue of life. You know what? No, I need, I need more. I need more. I'm like, I got to study more. I need you to show me again. I need you to show me again. So I, I, I continue to keep studying. And then I get to the Gospels. Like, I can close the book. When Jesus said, we might as well quit talking about it. Like, it's in red writing, guys. It's there. <laughs> Jesus himself said it. So Jesus came, Jesus came in the Gospels. He came. He was born. He was, 30, he was 30 years old. He was about to enter into his ministry. He got his group of guys like this right here, and he had his 12, he had his 12 guys, and he had the rest, of the rest of the people that was going to follow him, his disciples. And one of the most same, famous sermons ever known to humanity is the Sermon on the Mount. 
So I'm thinking, looking ahead, like, oh, Jesus is about to show him how to open blind eyes. He's about to show him how to raise the dead, cast out demons. Oh, let's go talk about loving the poor. Let's go talk about healing the sick. Let's just, let's just go talk about all these things. Jesus, you're going to teach me how to do it. Oh, you're going to teach me how to prophesy. Oh, you're going to teach me how to worship. You're going to teach me why David was so successful. No. Jesus said, before I teach you all of that, if I don't teach you what's in your heart first, none of that will happen in your life. And that's where we're going to pick up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you should not murder. And anyone who murders shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject unto judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka. Hey, that sounds tough, don't it? Like, I don't even know what that means, but like, I, I ain't calling nobody Raka. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, I don't want to be a Raka today. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying it. <laughs> so it's answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of fire and hell. Settle matters quickly. When your adversary who is taking you to court, do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversaries may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer. And then you may be thrown in prison. And then you may be thrown in prison. First of all, I'm reading that scripture and I'm like, Lord, are you telling me if I don't handle it with my adversary, I can go to hell? That's a strong word. That, that's like, I, I'm not just going to read by and just keep going. Let's, let's turn the page. No, you're talking about hell. So if you're talking about hell, Jesus, I'm going to listen. Like, I'm going to listen. So it got my attention. So I decided to say, well, well, Lord, over here in Galatians and Ephesians, you're talking about I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. It is the work of God lest any man should boast. That's what the Bible says over here. That's what the Apostle Paul said. But I got over here, if I don't, if I don't, if I hold resentment against my homeboy and don't forgive him, I can go to hell. Hold on. I need you to straighten that out. So I begin to study that and I begin, I begin to see it's more words for hell in the Bible than right there in that, in, in that context. That word right there, guys, it meant, it meant Gehenna. Just a, little, just a little history about Gehenna. Gehenna was a place that the Jews used to offer up sacrifices to the god Moloch. They used to take kids and offer, offer them the Moloch and set them on fire at the bottom of a pit in Jerusalem. Back when Malachi was a prophet, Ezekiel and Isaiah. They did that to Moloch, but they repented. So that trash pile right there that they had to sacrifice an altar, they still continued to have that, but they put ropes around it and they used it as a trash pile. And, they, and they, burned, they burned things, and it was smoldering, and the, and, the, and the fire never went out. So what Jesus was saying, he was saying this, guys. If you don't guard what's in your heart, your life can turn into a living hell, and it can look like Gehenna on earth. Everybody that look at you, they can tell, oh, he's living in Gehenna. Everybody that's around you, they can smell just the smoldering ashes on your life because it's something in your heart. You can't walk up on nobody. Y- y'all, y- watch this. You guys have felt that. You have felt somebody come in the room, and she or he talking, and you tell they're offended. Yeah, right. Everything is coming out of their mouth. You can be like, oh, yeah. it just stinks. Yeah. Wow. They in Gehenna. It's something in their heart that produced a living hell on earth in their life. Wow. I think I can speak from this place of authority because I was that guy. Yeah. 
That happened to me. I remember I was born in Louisiana. Excuse me, I was born in L.A., big city. Like, yeah, yeah, there you go, big city. So I grew up in, I grew up in L.A., and my parents said, hey, Mayo, we're going to move. We're going to move to Louisiana. Now, first of all, Louisiana is 50th on every list. No, 5-0. Like, it ain't nothing. That's like, it's just, it's just crawfish. It's meat pies. It's a little squirrel walk by. Shoot the squirrel. Let's, put, let's cut them, put them in the pot. Get the, get, get the sausage, put them in the pot. Get some rice. We call it gumbo. That's what we do. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's delicious. Praise God. <laughs> so I'm in Louisiana, man. I mean, Louisiana was country to the point. My sister and her boyfriend was dating in high school, and they broke up and just decided to be cousins. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's how bad it was. They just said it's over, you know, let's just be cousins like we are. That's cool. And, and yeah, it's bad. Don't laugh too hard, guys. That's, those are my people. Don't laugh, New Yorkers. You know? So, so, I, so I, grew, I grew up there, I grew up there, and uh, my parents, my dad was an entrepreneur out in L.A., so he moved to Louisiana, and there was a little tension because it was a racial divide in Louisiana in the 80s and 90s. It was a big racial divide. So my dad was trying to pursue, he was trying to pursue just the, just the, like, the, the entrepreneur lifestyle, and he was getting a lot of tension, like a lot of tension from, you know, people in the community. So he used to come home, drink a little, and my mom, they used to just fall out. And there was so much tension in my house because of money. So I told myself, I said, okay, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to start playing sports. If I start playing sports, I can make millions of dollars, and I can get my parents out of this. So that's my answer. So I start working out, playing football and basketball. So I get to 10th grade. I played 9th grade, 10th grade. I was already getting offers by colleges in Louisiana. So I I see my window opening up. I said, this is it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get my parents out of this ditch. So my dad and mom say, Mayo, we're going to move to Louisiana. I mean, we're going to move to Alabama. Okay. Alabama's number 47. <laughs> so it didn't get too much better. Okay. So we moved from 50 to 47. Yeah. Woo. Praise God. Right? <laughs> so we moved up there. We moved, we moved up there, guys. And it was just, you know, it was, it was a little bit more of a bigger city. So I continued to play football and I continued to excel. So I ended up getting a scholarship to Auburn University to play football. Played outside linebacker. So the window's open. The window's opening. I got a road tie person. I thought somebody said road tie. I'm just checking. I knew Jesus was in here. I knew he was in Union Square. So I ended up going to Auburn, right? So my sophomore year, my freshman sophomore year, I excelled. I was a freshman All-American. Started. My junior year, I still excelled. The window's getting wider and wider for the NFL. So scouts was coming down. He's like, hey, Mayo, you have a knockout senior year. You can sign your name on the dotted line. I knew it. I walked around like I was from Brooklyn. I'm like, <laughs> Tony Yayo, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to NFL, you know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, what they hands up here for? Like, why, why? Get, get your, I can't see your face. Get your hands down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like that. So I'm like, man, I'm going. So my senior year, we got two more games. Two more games. <laughs> so we got Georgia and we got Alabama, and then we got a big national championship game. Three more, like I said. So then, yeah. So I was in this game because a freshman went down on kickoff, and I'm in the game, and I'm like telling my coach, Coach, I shouldn't go in the game. This is a freshman, I shouldn't be in there. 
because I play first, second, and third down. Why are, you, why are you putting me in the game for this freshman? Put somebody else in. So he said, Mayo, I just need you to play this play. So I'm running down on the field. I'm running down on the field, and I make a cut. And when I make a cut, a guy pushed me. Yeah. And, and I, heard my, I heard my knee. It went off. So I hit the ground. Doctor came out. He did his procedure, and he shook his head. Never been injured. He shook his head. He said, Mayo, it's your ACL and your meniscus. It's torn. It's going to be eight, eight or so months before you get back full speed, if you get back to full speed. I remember like it was yesterday. I go back in the locker room. I'm on the table by myself with an ice pack, and I'm like, what was I doing in the game? Why was I in the game? I seen my window just shut down before my eyes and shut down. I shouldn't have been in the game. So all the guys that I played with, some of my very best friends, went number two pick. The other one went number five. The other one went number seven. The other one went 17. The other one went 24. Millions of dollars like that. My best friend, Ronnie Bound, $26 million just to sign his name on the dotted line before he played a down of football in the NFL. That should have been me. So I don't know what to do. I get a shot up at Buffalo. I get cut because my ACL, I just, I, I, I can't progress like I want to. So I get cut and I come home and I'm like, I can't go back to Auburn. I was the man on campus. I can't go back to my parents' house. So I was just there for two days. And I called Ronnie, I was like, yo, I don't know what to do, bro. He's like, yo, just come down to Miami, stay with me. Yeah, Miami, right? Yeah, millions of dollars in Miami, right? This is before Christ. So he said, come on, he said, yeah. We only want to talk about that. So, so he said, come on down to Miami, just stay with me until you, until you, you know, get your ideas together and what you want to do. Man, I get down to Miami, I go in Ronnie's subdivision. I'm talking about flamingos walking by. I'm like, man, it's a guana in a bush like that, just waving at me like this in the backyard, stuck his tongue out at me. I'm like, yo, Ron, how you get that iguana to do that? I'm talking about the swimming, hardwood ceiling, hardwood ceilings. Nobody walks up there. Why do you have hardwood on your ceilings? I'm still waiting. I don't know if I can sit right here on the couch because it's a, I can't spell a word, chin what, chin who, chin a, a dangerous species, like it's at a pool, does it rain on it? Like, I, like Ronnie, what you doing? I go in the house, it's, I mean, the ceiling is up there, he rides in a scooter up to me, his echo, I'm like, yo, Ronnie, he like, yo, mail, yo, mail, yo, mail, what up? He got a walk-in refrigerator, I'm like, I'm like, I've seen a walk-in, but a walk-in refrigerator? Come, two toilets, I'm still waiting to this day. Paul, why? What's the other toilet for? I'm not sitting there. First of all, it don't, it don't look, it like, it doesn't look, like, it looks too, like, you, you like my fall. Like, I'm not sitting on that second toilet, Ronnie. I don't get that, bro. I'm still waiting. So we used to go out, man. He gets limos and, and just people just giving him stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I sit there and watch that. And I'm like, this should be my life. This should be me. I'm sitting on the back porch one night. I'm like, I'm going to show him. I was setting up another piece of the fence in my heart. That's what I was doing. A fence was taking root in my heart, and it was like this. I was building a fence around my life where nobody could get in, neither could I get out. Ronnie came downstairs the next morning. I told him, I'm gone, bro. Where you going? Don't worry about it. I'm out. End up going to Atlanta. Sit there and thought about it. What can I do? I was listening to Young Jeezy at the time. Trap or Die was big. Trap or Die wasn't a rap song. It was a reality. 
So I started to sell drugs. I said I was going to be the best at it. I was going to make millions of dollars. I would go in some of the dangerous places and deal with the dangerous, most dangerous people. And it didn't matter. I painted my heart black. My life was a hell on earth. And it got worse. I was facing a life sentence for getting caught selling drugs. Intent to distribute over five kilos of cocaine. I got caught in Arizona. I remember like it was yesterday, I'm sitting in that cell and I'm just on my knees. I'm angry at God. Why did you let me here? Why am I in this position? It's your fault. You watched it the whole way, God. I should not be here. I shouldn't have tore my ACL. I should went first round. I should not be in a prison cell. Why did you let this happen? I heard God speak as, cloud as, 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 as clear as day when he said, Mel, you shouldn't be concerned about the federal prison. You should be concerned about the spiritual prison you've been in for the last six years. After that, Mayo Sowell, a letter coming to the door, Mayo Sowell versus United States of America. I still didn't let God in. I still kept the fence up, didn't let him in. Neither did I get out. I took a journey in prison for four years until a guy seen a little gap under the fence and he came in and just dropped the gospel to me. So in that, guys, some of you might be there today. Some of you guys might be offended, imprisoned by your circumstances. Your circumstances. My circumstance, it helped me build a fence because I said, this is my circumstance and I can't get around it. Why, did this, why is this circumstance in my life? I don't know if some of you guys are dealing with unemployment. That might be the circumstance right now, but don't get offended at God. Don't get offended at the circumstance. Just go through it. I don't know what it is, Union Square. You guys are innovative, young, energetic. Do not let your circumstance help you build the fence. No. God is better. Some of you might be offended in prison by your relationships. My wife and I, we was leaving for New York. So she's over there packing, and I go over there and just look in the pile, see, like, she got everything for Cannon. And um, I'm looking, and she got her pacifier like, like, that, that she likes. I'm like, Cannon's my son, Kai. Like, I know the pacifier I like. That's the pacifier he like. We get in a big argument over a pacifier. I'm like, she like, that's my son. I'm like, that's my son. So, like, really, what are we saying? Somebody else help you have a son? Like, like I, I'm still lost. Like, I'm still lost. So we go, we go on to the airport, guys. We get up early. I got an early, we got an early flight. So I'm hungry. I love coffee, love Starbucks, and I'm hungry. So she, she just, she goes to the Starbucks window. She gets a coffee. She gets some food. We get on the plane, and she sit down next to me. She say, um, Mel, you want some coffee? Nope. <laughs> like the armrest right there. I'm, I just got my fence now. I'm offended. I built my fence. Don't come across, don't come across my fence. Mel, you hungry? Nope. I was, listen, I'm lying on the plane. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to get the whole plane struck down. I'm just lying. But listen, she wanted to love me. Neither would I let her love come in, neither would I reach my hand out. 
to get that coffee because it was a fence. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. So some of you guys might be there about relationships. An old girlfriend or boyfriend that you look at Instagram or something, and you just, it's in your heart. And you're just like, man, just forgive them. Let them go. Let them go. And last but not least, some, some people may be offended at their view of God. Their view of God. I just knew it was God's fault. I knew it. How many people in New York think it's God's fault? If he's the creator of the universe and God is a God of love, why am I in this situation? They've built this theory about God and said, it's God. That's why I'm here. That's why I messed up. That's why my life is busted. And they set a fence up between them and God. Neither can they get out nor God can come in. But my life did not end like that. I came to a life-giving church like this. When I came out, I did five years of prison. I got out, I came to a life-giving church just like this. Individuals just like you guys. Down in Birmingham, Church of the Highlands. Crazy anointed worship. Got into small groups. Got around people with, with like, like precious faith. Start going out into the community, ministering to others. The same things that you do, guys. That's what I start doing. I got married to my wife. Because five, yeah, five years, I'm going to get married fast. <laughs> right, yeah. I told sister to put some track spikes on. I'm going to get mine on. We're going to run to the altar, and I'm going to kiss my bride ASAP. Yeah, that's what we did, Paul. So we went and got married. I locked that girl down and put a ring on it. And then I was just, we just loving life. And God has steady promoted us in our life because of the freedom on the inside. Freedom on the outside is inevitable. So in my journey, in closing, I just want to share some things with you guys that I'll never forget. And I hope you guys take notes and you remember them also. Things that I will never forget that I will always remember. Always remember how to get out of a fence. The first thing, always remember God's blessings. Always remember God's blessings. I'm going to paraphrase it. When Jesus was with John the Baptist, so, so John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and John the Baptist went on his ministry, and John the Baptist was in prison. He, got him, he, he went to prison. And John sent someone to Jesus, and he said, hey, Jesus, are you going to deliver me, or should we wait for another one to come? So John, Jesus told John this. I mean, Jesus told John's disciples, he said, hey, you go back and tell John. Tell John this. He said, the lame can see. He said, he said, answer to them, go tell John these things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame can walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel being preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended for my name's sake. But what Jesus was trying to do with John right there, he was trying to redirect John and say, hey, John, remember the blessings. Because that which you remember, now it has authority to take place in your life again. That's why we tell the testimony. The testimony is about remembering what God did. So I say the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So testimony meaning once you tell God's blessing from the past, it now has the prophetic increase in the prophetic spirit to duplicate in your life again. That's why the enemy want to say, hey, don't tell your testimony. Be embarrassed. 
Don't tell nobody you used to go out and get drunk. Don't tell nobody that. Why? Because he know if you tell somebody you used to go out and get drunk and how God came with you to the club to get you out of the club and now you don't drink no more, that gives that person the authority to receive the prophetic word to do over in their life. But you got to look back to that blessing. I got, I got a college degree. I got a friend of mine. That's my co-defendant. He got 47 years. The guy that was in the car with me got 47 years. I got something to be happy about. We got something to be happy about. Just enough that you walked in here. You can look back and remember how did you get in here, and it was God's grace that got you in here, Union Square. So always remember God's blessing. The next one. Always remember to see people how God, how God sees people. It's a dying world out there. It's a dying world. In New York, they need people to see them how God sees them. I don't care if he's a Muslim. I don't care, I don't care if, if, if he's a Hindu. It doesn't matter. If it was the only human in earth, God still would have sent the most precious commodity in heaven to hang on a cross for that individual. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son for the world. So watch this, guys. All authority is the gospel, so you get all authority when you preach to the world. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Omission. I'm not going to omit a particular group of people, never. I'm going to see humanity how God see them and participate in the Great Commission. Not the great omission. I don't care what you call me, brother. I love you. I'm called to lead you. I've never expected nothing from darkness. I've never said, hey, Kyle, turn the darkness on so I can read my notebook. (laughs) We just don't say that. What we say, turn the light on so we can read our notebook. So for us to hold darkness to an expectation, they're going to let you down every time. The expectation is on us to be light. So now light transforms darkness. Only if we can see people how God sees them. We can reconcile humanity to a God that loves them, that's all for racial reconciliation. God is all for racial reconciliation. But first he says spiritual reconciliation because if a man don't love me, he surely going to love you, male Sal. So how cocky and arrogant are you to expect that man to love you and he don't love me? My bad, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to love my brother. I'm going to continue to see people how God see people. That's what Union Square stands for. That's what the community is waiting for, guys. It's waiting for a vibrant group of individuals that just see people how God see them. Don't see shame. Don't see sin. Don't see darkness. Don't see race. Don't see nothing. It sees them how God sees them. That's what we call to do. And we will always remember. To see people how God see them. And the last one is, I want you guys to always remember the cross. Always remember the cross. There was this guy called Jesus. He was in heaven. Had no problems. Zero. 
Not one problem did he have. But yet, it was his creation called humanity that had all the problems. That was stuck inside of this fence. And everything inside of that fence was condemned to hell. The wooden fence was built by Satan. It was just a fence around humanity. And everybody in that space, in that fence right there, they was condemned to hell. Jesus could have sit in heaven and just watched. I'm quite sure he was looking at God and it went something like this. Lord, just let me go. Father, let me go. He said, son, you sure you want to go? You want to go live down there with him? Yeah, father, they stuck in this fence and they can't get out. They can't get out. It's nothing they can do. They can't carry their own sin. They can't live perfect. They can't act right. They can't talk right. It's nothing they can do to get out of the fence. Zero. You can't give enough. You can't worship enough. You can't sing enough. You can't sin enough. You can't not sin enough. He knew it. He knew it. It's nothing they can do. They're condemned to hell. Let me go. So he came down through a virgin. He spent 30 years looking at humanity in the fence. He spent 30 years looking at the fence. He spent three years inside of the fence. And he came and he dwelt and he laid hands on the sick. And the blind received their sight. And he just didn't keep it right there. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Because you can't carry the burden of sin. You can't carry the burden. It's not made for you. You can't do it. He pulled the first piece of the wooden fence up and put it on his back. He pulled a second piece up and threw it on the hill. Listen, man did not build Calvary. Jesus did. He took that fence up that hill and he looked at that hill called Golgotha and he said, Father, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the fence, I'm going to break it down and tear it down and put it on my back and I'm going to choose to die on it. I'm going to choose to die on it for Union, Union Square. I'm going to die on it for New York. I'm going to die on it for Brooklyn. I'm going to die on it for Louisiana. I'm going to die on the fence for humanity. I'm going to sit on that cross. And I'm going to hold my arms open. And I'm going to say, Eli, Eli, Lama Shana Kathani, it's finished. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he died. He took on our offense so that we can receive his justification. He didn't leave it here on earth. He took it to the pit of hell. He took it to the pit of hell and tore down a fence so that we won't have to live in a fence. So we can leave free on the inside and give everybody what we have on the inside, we can give it to them on the outside. Because Jesus died on that cross so that we can live free of a fence. So Union Square, guard your heart. Because out of it flows every issue of your life. You free on the inside? Let the world receive freedom on the outside, which is a byproduct of your born-again spirit. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.